Welcome to Midweek in the Word, where each week we seek to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. This podcast is brought to you by Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, here is your host, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor, Pastor Brad Myers. Hello again, listeners, and welcome back to Midweek in the Word. We're so glad you've chosen to join us uh, for this week's episode, uh, just that you're tuning in, that you're following along with us as we continue our What Does the Bible Say About series here on the podcast. Hopefully it's been helpful to you so far as we've tackled a number of different theological topics. We've had some guests uh, step in on the podcast, and hopefully you've enjoyed the last couple of weeks with Dustin Rogers on that. And we will be continuing that series today and tackling a potentially tricky topic <laughs> here on the podcast, but I'm happy to say that I will not be tackling it alone, and I'm sure you're <laughs> happy to hear that as uh, Tom Rimple, Faith Bible Church's preaching pastor, is back in the booth, in the recording studio, whatever we want to call it, uh, here with me. Uh, thanks for coming back on the podcast, Tom. Yeah, nice to be back again. Thanks. It'll I've be good. enjoyed the other guys, though. I got to tell you. I, you know, yeah. it's, it's been a joy and we will have some more guests coming up here before too long on the podcast as well, but uh, it's going to be you and me here for a little while, which go. will be fun to be back to kind of the basics here as well. Um, but before we get to that, before listeners, I move to that, let me just remind you uh, that this last Sunday, um, I took on the first church from our new series in Revelation 1, 2, and 3, entitled Dear Church, Seven Letters to Christ's Bride. Uh, we talked about the church in Ephesus and how they were commended for their hard work and their good doctrine, uh, but suffered from the terminal flaw of being loveless. And Christ really goes after that idea that they had abandoned their first love in that now, if you missed that message, I'd encourage you to go to our website, faithbiblelincoln.org, and find that. Under the Resources tab, just hit the Sermons button, and you can always find uh, those old sermons. Or you can always search for our podcast for our sermons feed. Uh, just search for Faith Bible Lincoln or Faith Bible Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, and select the podcast with the black background and the white letters, and you can have all those sermons sent direct, directly to your device or your phone or whatever, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so Tom, now that we've moved through that, um, now that we're moving into a new topic, it's, it's one that uh, I've learned that a lot of people seem to have more understanding from pop culture uh, than they actually do from the Bible, uh, whether that be popular movies or TV shows or books. There seems to be some difficulty deciphering what is biblical and what is creative writing coming out of Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, listeners, today Tom and I are going to be talking about angels, demons, and Satan, and hopefully we can separate a little bit of fact from fiction in our time together on Midweek in the Word. Okay, so Tom, let's try to let's try to build some basics here for our listeners um, on this subject. Uh, what does the Bible actually say <laughs> about the spiritual realm and angels and demons and Satan? Well, when I hear that question, the first text that comes to mind is Ephesians six when he tells us to put on the armor, which reminds us we're in conflict. Yep. And uh, there he calls them uh, the rulers of darkness, the authorities, the cosmic powers over the present darkness. He calls them spiritual forces of evil. That's the satanic side of the thing. But uh, the, the scriptures teach, uh, I just uh, listed out 12 things that the scriptures teach about angels. One, they were created by God, even though we don't know when. Mm. Uh, they are found in three different types as you read the scripture. They're cherubim, the seraphim, and then the living creatures. Uh, they have a hierarchy structure, it seems, uh, but only two of them have names, Gabriel and Michael. The others are just go nameless, uh, but they are not 
omnipresent. So uh, each angel is limited to the space in which they are at the time. Um, there's no exact number of them stated, mm-hmm. even though he, he could have called myriads of angels to re- release him from the cross. We don't know what that is. There also, <laughs> that there, there was this great host that came when yeah. Jesus was introduced. So again, the number of them is just not indicated in Scripture. Uh, it also, Jesus speaks of them as uh, though they, they do not marry nor reproduce. So mm. whatever was created in the beginning continues to exist. They have incredible power, uh, and uh, they are often sent by God as messengers of strength to liberate the oppressed of his people. Mm. Uh, their obedience is an example to us. He talks about your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, the angels understand the will of the Father, and they immediately respond. Mm-hmm. Um, they exist to carry out God's purposes, and uh, they directly serve to glorify God. Whatever they do, their whole motivation, their whole purpose for existence is that God might be more famous and more gloriously known. And uh, they do the warfare with the demons, which that's the other side. So yeah. the biblical narrative is one of conflict between the forces of demonic powers and, and the representatives that serve this, the Lord. Okay. Okay, very good. So in a lot of ways, your distinctions that you've got here are, are trying to help us understand kind of where angels fit. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the issues that I'm sure we're going to talk about here a little bit later is that angels are not God. That's right. Right? You know, and so That's you've right. got these ideas that they're created. There's a hierarchy. They are limited by space. Yep. They're not like yep. God in that respect. Um, but they do have a power and an ability, I mean, the spiritual nature of them, that human humanity clearly doesn't have. Um, which is those are kind of the two ways we get confused. Yeah. We think people turn into angels, right? Yeah. That idea, yeah. you get your wings and all of that, yeah. or that the angels are kind of like God. And so we have these created beings, which I love the way you've described that, that are, that are designed, that were created by God to glorify God yeah. and, and do so perfectly in heaven. Um, okay, so then you said you've got the flip side. You've yeah. kind of got the demons. So we're going to talk here about text just in a second. Um, but what of these things would you clarify or would you speak to of the 12 uh, that would maybe be different or altered when it comes to the opposite side of the demonic um, well, the, beings? The, the demonic, uh, their, their existence is, is exactly the opposite. I mean, mm-hmm. their motivation is exactly the opposite. So where angels seek to accomplish or do the will of God, the demonic seem to resist it, fight mm-hmm. back against it, mm-hmm. uh, where... Uh, where angels are sent by God to protect the saints and the work of God, the demons, they see that as an opportunity for them, and so mm. they attack. So mm. it is always the whatever it is that God has sent the angels to accomplish, the demonic forces, the, I mean, literally, uh, fallen angels, I would yeah. uh, describe them as, that they seem to answer uh, organizationally to Satan and to accomplish his purposes. Mm. And uh, so wherever God's at work, the angels come along, or the demons come along to do exactly the opposite. Mm. So Very good. Okay, so you've gone to Ephesians 6 on this. You know, we're talking, yeah. there's this spiritual realm that we tend to be mostly oblivious to in our, you know, scientific, secularized American society. We don't think about the spiritual realms in the way past generations have. So there's this reality out there. Um, where do we get some of these details that you're talking about from Scripture, even the separation of angels and demons? Where do we get those ideas? Well, I, I was just thinking through from Genesis to Revelation, and, and we're introduced perhaps 
to uh, fallen angels in Genesis 6 when he calls them the sons of mm. God looked upon the daughters mm. of men. There's that a classic. There's a lot of discussion <laughs> about that. We're not going to answer that passage for you here today. So uh, we'll maybe have, at a later date. We'll have a guest come and talk about that one of these <laughs> days. But it, it, there's a possibility because that, that keeps coming up. Again, and then as you're going through the Old Testament, you, you'll periodically see the angel of the Lord, mm. which is, as I understanding, is a theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Mm. But, but then you have, this, you have the servant of Elisha who is panicked by the army forces, and Elisha, praise God, open his eyes so he can see, and he finds out that the host of heaven, the armies of heaven, yeah. have surrounded them to protect yeah. them. So you, you see it unfolding through the Old Testament. You, you see it in the Gospels yeah. where Jesus takes the demon-possessed. He takes the demons on. He uh, demonstrates his power and authority over mm-hmm. them, and he gives, the, he gives the disciples that kind of power and authority mm-hmm. as well. And, and then you get into the book of Revelation, and suddenly you see this radical unleashing of the powers, the demonic forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it, it's, it's tied all through the Scripture. The interesting thing is that the Pharisees believed in all of that from the Old Testament. The scribes did, but the Sadducees didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't yeah. believe that the angelic world existed, therefore they didn't believe in the resurrection yeah. and all of those supernatural things. So anyway, it's, it's, it laces the Scripture together, mm. and it shows up on almost every page. Yeah, it's all, all across the text of Scripture. Though I, ironically, and again, we're probably going to talk about this here in a second just a bit more, but ironically not giving us nearly as much information as we would like would like to no, know, no. Um, but do we do get these major categories? You know, one of the places that comes to mind, you mentioned the Gospels, uh, is Mark 3, yep. for me, where this altercation, uh, you know, between the scribes and Jesus, and they accuse him of casting out demons yep. by the power of Satan. Yep. And he goes, look, there's two camps here. Satan doesn't cast out his own demons. <laughs> That's not how it works. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and again, another tricky passage on the whole blasphemy against yeah, the Yeah, the demons are not taken out by friendly fire. <laughs> exactly. So clearly there's two sides here. Yeah. Clearly they have opposite goals in mind. Um, scripture gives us that Satan is the one, you know, like leading the, the fallen angels, as you would say. Um, where, where do we get this idea that... Uh, of of the fall of the angels and Satan because you know you're speaking to God created them all as yeah. angels and then there's this fall moment where do we get that well, idea from probably the clearest is in, in Isaiah 14 where it talks about the fall of Satan yep. and uh, how he had an he had a a serious eye problem basically yeah, I, right. will, I will I will I <laughs> will and he is cast out of heaven now all that being said he's cast out. You know, there are some that would take that as a prophecy of the fall of Nebuchadnezzar, mm. the great king, and perhaps there's a dual fulfillment yeah. of this prophecy, but I think that's the, that's the clearest one. I, I've been working lately on the book of Job, and at the beginning of Job, it's, uh, yeah. uh, Greg's going to teach that in the Old Testament survey class, but God calls for uh, leadership council gathering, and Satan is among them. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, well, wait quite a minute. Scene, I thought right? he was thrown out. But, you know, clearly he's opposing whatever yeah. God is doing. So I think that's the, the, the fall. We can clearly see the opposition. And, uh, again, because the Scripture doesn't tell us when angels were created, it also doesn't give us the details about yeah. when that act of rebellion took place. Yeah. But as you take the Scriptures, it seems as though not only did Lucifer rebel. He was the third angel named. He would have been the highest ranking, but he's cast out, and you just leave Michael and Mm. Gabriel. 
But there were those who chose to side with him, yeah. that they liked what he stood for. Yeah. So very much like Eve liked what he had to offer. So there were angels who liked his act of rebellion and joined with him. Yeah. Yeah, listeners, let me just read that passage from Isaiah. You may be familiar uh, that Tom is referencing uh, Isaiah 14, 12. Um, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn, that description of Satan, we presume. Uh, How are you cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low? You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend from the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Hmm. Essentially, Satan's sin of pride, uh, Lucifer an incredibly powerful being in his own right, but thinking he could be God was his ultimate issue. And so we realize that someplace in between the temptation of Eve in the garden and the creation of angels, which we have no idea when that took place, uh, we have the fall of Satan and all of those that went along with them as previously angels. And now we refer to them as demons, though in a lot of ways, due to your description, very much similar to angels and their power and ability and things like that, just not exactly the right purpose. Well, yeah, anymore. And, you know, as soon as you say that, I, I think in terms of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and he said mm-hmm. that, that even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Yeah. So again, very similar in power and strength, but mm-hmm. clearly the opposition. Yeah. And not the support. That we tend to think. Uh, we tend to think Satan, the red guy with the pitchfork, and yeah. the, which yeah. maybe gets me to my next question. <laughs> which <laughs> let me let me ask you there before I go too far down that road. Um, okay, so what are some what are some popular beliefs? about this area of angels and demons, similar to what we were just talking about, that you hear from people that aren't actually supported biblically, that come more from the pop culture and the ideas surrounding TV shows like Touched by an Angel and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah I, I, th- I think uh, probably the one I was thinking of, it's, it's a wonderful life, you know. Mm, yeah. Whenever a, a bell rings, a, an angel gets his wings. Yes. You know, it's like, it's not we, actually biblical? We, I, well, there's a chapter or two that we might go to. But, yeah, it's a, I, I think, uh, like, it's almost like they're the superheroes of the Marvel series, you mm, know. So yeah. it's just that, that sense. And I think it, it comes out of the probably the New Age movement mm. so much and, and more the intrigue with the spirit world, but that the spirit world exists out there to serve us or we can manipulate it mm. and use it. Uh, again, just if these angels have access to God, if I pray to the angel, he can take my case yeah. before God. And also, yeah, I've been, uh, you know, I've got to be honest, I haven't recently run into anybody that was propagating that kind of heresy or theory, mm. but uh, some of the televangelists yeah. in the ages past have really done us a disservice by making up doctrines mm. about the angels and their power and their role to serve us as, as though they're little genies or mm. uh, they're servant boys that come to the ringing of the, of the master's bell. And uh, so we, we, instead of looking to the Heavenly Father and, and to what Christ has done for us and the Holy Spirit, we look instead to the spirit beings yeah. to accomplish what God himself can only do. Yeah. I think that was the that's probably the thing that first comes to my mind on this theme is it is amazing how often in kind of the you know I'm not religious but I'm spiritual idea I believe in the spiritual realm I believe yeah. in these spiritual things and so you get angels and demons that people are comfortable that aren't comfortable with Christianity and the biblical yeah. teaching that are comfortable with angels and demons you get kind of this 
uh, perpetual universal war. So there's mm-hmm. angels on the good side, and they side with the good people, and there's yep. angels on the bad side, and they side with the bad people. And you get some of these odd things like Satan is the king of hell, yeah. as opposed to hell yeah. being gods, and he throws Satan into yeah. hell, yeah. which is what the Bible teaches. Satan's kind of, this is his domain. And again, we get the pitchfork and the yep. and the red and, and all this thing. And so you get kind of this eternal clash of good versus evil, and angels and demons are part of that, but there's no God anywhere in the picture yeah. sovereignly controlling everything. Yeah, we don't, we don't see the sovereign hand over it. We just see a battle that we hope is resolved in our favor. Yeah. But uh, there is a sense of fear in, in all of that. And, and again, I think it, it becomes, comes out of, the, uh, out of the New Age movement. There was so much emphasis put mm. on the spiritual minus God Mm. That uh, it's too many, too many professing believers added mm. some truths as they perceived it to be, some principles to it. And uh, like I said, some of the Christian authors that write, they 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 tend to add things to the scriptures mm. that pervert or distort that truth. Yeah, speculation, yeah. which is yeah. where a lot of our issues yeah. come from. I know one that I read was uh, in prepping for this in early church. Uh, fathers, some some speculated that um, somehow the number of people being redeemed through Christ had to replace <laughs> the number of angels that had fallen, and so there had to be a you know 1.35 billion yeah. angels, yeah. and so yeah. that's just pure speculation. Yeah, a one for one exchange, exactly. Yeah. And we get some of those odd oddities for sure in this area. Okay, so then uh, let's let's get back here a bit um, to to kind of what the the Bible teaches out of, out of this extra realm. Um, where where are the disagreements within orthodoxy? Obviously, there's not a lot given to us in the Bible, but are there any major things that believers disagree about when it comes to angels and demons? Well, I, it's probably the one that comes up the most frequently is the question of, are there guardian angels? Mm. And does each of us have an angel assigned to us? Yeah. Or do they, you know, they, they come and go as is a moment or oppression? So, uh, I think in, in, I don't hear a lot of disagreement amongst mm-hmm. Orthodox believers about their existence, and about especially uh, about Satan's opposition, yep. uh, and that the purpose of the angels is to serve the will of God. But again, just that small twist on can I summon my guardian angel in this moment? There, mm. there are some that take that to the extreme. Mm-hmm. That idea that we have a specific angel yeah. to support us. Yeah. Um, and I want to say there's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, different people take different takes uh, specifically related to all, we, we see so much demon possession and demon yeah, activity in the Gospels, and most people, at least in the Western world as we would describe it today, go, I don't see that, yeah. and where's the difference? Hel- help our listeners understand a little bit where that line comes from, too. Well, there is some discussion about can, can a believer be demon-possessed? Mm. Or can he simply be, my take would be, he can be demon oppressed. Yeah. But, you know, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world uh, from First John is, yeah. is the key. But, but there are some who would uh, do an exorcism and cast a demon out of a professing believer because it has taken domination. And uh, you just don't find instruction for that when Jesus... Yeah took on the demonic. And again, I was thinking about the powerful. When you get to Acts chapter 19, then the seven sons of Sceviour were trying to cast out <laughs> yeah. a demon from one man, and uh, you know they dared, tried to do it in the name of Jesus, and one demon-possessed man you know, beat them up, stripped them down, and threw them out in the right. street. So there's that sense of power 
given there. But again, uh, he then, as as the man in the garden or the, the tombs of Gadara, yeah. he then was seated and sane. He was in his right mind. Once you come to faith in Christ, the demonic possession is broken, mm-hmm. and there may be moments where the darkness, so that's why he says in Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor. Yeah. Because you are still wrestling against flesh, yeah. not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Yeah. So we're still involved in spiritual warfare, but we don't have to fear being possessed. Mm-hmm. And that oppression idea, you know, again, the fiery darts of the evil one, you yeah. know, that is, you know, yeah. that attack yeah. from the enemy is definitely something that we read in Scripture that maybe we need to take a little more seriously yeah. at times in our <laughs> modern, yeah. sophisticated yeah. age in the West. Okay, let's flip the coin then to the other side then. If there's not a whole lot of wiggle room here within Orthodox believers, what are the heresies that we need to be watchful for that we will hear um, within this realm? Well, pro- probably, again, that sense of possession and all is a, is a heresy, I think, that yep. we need to uh, uh, speak against. Now, I think also the, the heresy of the Sadducees, to, to deny the reality yeah. of spiritual conflict and all of that. Uh, Which been, we can do both in theology and also in practice. In practice, We can claim yeah. that we don't, yeah. and in practice totally ignore in, the spiritual practice. reality. And, and at the same time, having been a youth pastor twice, it seemed like the, the common practice at youth rallies and all that was that somebody would pray and claim this territory mm. that, that God would, you know, that he would set up a hedge of protection so that the adversary couldn't come, so the Spirit of God could do the work. Mm. And we don't, we're not... We're not instructed to pray a hedge of protection around a particular activity or event. Yeah. But at the same time, to when you're doing the Lord's work, especially when you're taking enemy territory, preaching the gospel, to be ignorant of the fact that there is going to be fiery dart and there's going to be yeah. opposition. So Paul says, you know, I don't, I don't want to be uninformed or ignorant about the yeah. schemes of the devil. Yeah. So again, I, I would say that's the thing to watch for is that, that we are careful to recognize that there is this spiritual conflict, but we are not discouraged by that. We're not defeated by that. We simply recognize how radically dependent we are. Amen. And you know, at the same time, I'm thinking about you know Daniel, and he's praying and praying for an answer, and then finally. After three weeks, the angel shows up and he says, I, I, I was sent immediately when you asked, yeah. but, but I was delayed in the conflict in the heavens. Yeah. So, you know, again, don't become discouraged if you don't get an immediate answer to prayer. Sounds like God's not listening, but you are involved in spiritual mm. warfare. Don't take that lightly. Yeah. Okay, so one of the heresies definitively we need to be on, on guard for is denying the existence of yeah. the spiritual realm. Yeah. Um, any other heresies? What, what else do we need to be watchful for? You kind of... You, you, you specifically noted the idea that angels are created by God. Uh, that would seem to yeah. indicate that there's a heresy yeah. that people would say angels are equal with God. Yeah. Uh, what's going on there? Well, there's just a few that, that say that, that angels, uh, we need to understand that angels are created, therefore they're not eternal. Yeah. And uh, they're not uncreated, therefore they are submissive to the one who created them. Another one is that we fear that they have unlimited power, mm. and yet their their influence, their realm, as it were, is limited by God's permission. I think again of Job, where he went to God and asked permission yeah. to afflict Job <laughs> yeah. so that he could prove yeah. that Job only served because yeah. he was a blessed man. 
so again, they don't have unlimited power, and they are, as we've already said, they are not omnipresent. They are in a given space at a given time for a specific purpose, and uh, also then to be careful to avoid the air of believing that they can intercede for us, mm-hmm. that, that if, if, only, if only this angel would carry my message uh, to the throne. Uh, so I, I think those are the most frequent ones I would be concerned about. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that threefold reality that, that reminder that, you know, the, we would say God is omnipresent everywhere. God is omnipowerful, all powerful. Yeah. God is omnipotent. Yeah. Um, and all three of those things are not true of angels yeah. and not true of Satan either. Somehow we yeah. think that we yeah, some, somehow good. think that Satan, you know, knows it all and, and is planning forward. But again, he is, he is a created being. Yeah. He only knows what God reveals to him. Yeah. 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 Very good. Um, lastly, obviously, we've already we've already kind of hinted at this a little bit as we recognize that this is this is an area we're not giving a tremendous amount in Scripture, but we don't want to go out on a limb yeah. <laughs> with speculation. That's where most of our yeah. issues arise from. Um, but that being said, you've, you've spoken to it a bit already, but speak to it a little bit more. Impact on our lives, the reality of what we know scripturally from what angels, demons, and Satan are, how does this impact us as believers? Well, one is we, need, we do need to understand that God has messengers who come to our aid at His command. Yeah. And that that even though we cannot see them, he is fighting for us. And when we are in spiritual battle, he is fighting with us. We put on the full armor because we're battling again. So again, it's the it's the servant of Elisha moment. That you know we won't probably uh, in, in a physical way see the armies of heaven, but. But he is, he is declared to be the commander of the host of heaven. He has a yeah. military force that is fighting for him and with us to accomplish his purposes. And so we can rest in that. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and though uh, God is omnipresent, uh, the angels are sent on mission. And so it's okay to ask, Lord, you know, protect me and guard me. In, in your way. It, it's appropriate to rest in that, that I'm not alone. Mm. Yeah. Maybe speaking to those two uh, options for, for maybe missing the point here, getting not interested enough in the spiritual realm or yeah. getting overly fascinated yeah. and consumed with it uh, is a potential error, too. Well, listeners, we know we've just begun to speak on this subject, and we know all of you probably have questions related to angels, demons, and Satan, which we have not addressed here. Uh, We do encourage you to continue to search the scriptures, um, but recognize what Tom is talking about here, that there are some pitfalls. Uh, We know a number of things about the angels, that they're created, that there are different types, there's hierarchy, only a few are named, Uh, they're limited by space and time and not all-knowing. Uh, they don't marry, though they are powerful and they're obedient and glorifying God, obviously with the exception of the demons being the opposite, uh, where they're seeking to work against God. Um, remembering, you know, Paul's words from Ephesians there, that we do wrestle against spiritual forces, that, and that's why prayer uh, would be so incredibly critical. Yeah. Uh, keep an eye out uh, for some of the heresies on this, yeah. denying the existence of the spiritual reality that is is kind of out there. Also, the tendency to make angels and demons like God. Yeah. Uh, really be watchful for that, and, and the way people talk about uh, the role of angels and demons. Um, though there isn't a tremendous amount of disagreement within orthodoxy, yeah. just because there's so little information given in Scripture, <laughs> I expect. Uh, but do be yeah. encouraged. 
uh, by the fact that uh, there is a spiritual warfare going on out there. It is real. It is something to be mindful of. Um, but God also directs the angels uh, for the sake of his people mm-hmm. and to protect his people. And that's a good encouragement for all of us as we wrap up this discussion on angels, demons, and Satan as well. Any final thoughts or encouragement for our listeners, Tom? Well, the last one I was thinking about was in Luke 15. And it says that when someone is born again, the angels of heaven throw a party. They mm. celebrate. So I think that's the thing is that angels celebrate our salvation while well, the demons oppose mm. it. So uh, once God in his grace rescues us, heaven throws a party, Mm. and uh, the demonic world grieves another defeat. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, listeners, that's it for this week's episode. Like I said, I hope it's been helpful as we've talked about uh, what we recognize is a challenging and and a little bit tricky subject, um, but hopefully we've added some clarity. Uh, We've divided a little bit between fact and fiction for you here on the podcast. No, you can always send us your questions if you have additional questions on the subject. Uh, Send them to Tom or myself. That's Tom R at fbclnk.org or Brad M at fbclnk.org. And just remember, this coming Sunday, we'll be looking at Christ's words to the second church in Revelation, Smyrna, who was under incredible persecution. And Christ's words to them is, there's more persecution on the way. Uh, We do hope you will join us for that. I think it will be both challenging and encouraging to you as we've got our two services at 9 o'clock and 1030 on Sunday morning. And we hope to see you there. And thanks for joining us for this week's episode. Like I said, if it's been helpful to you, please feel free to share it, rate it, or comment on it to help other people find it. And we hope you join us again next week for Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Faith Bible Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, or on Twitter at the handle at FBC Lincoln. As for this week, we'll leave you with Paul's words to Timothy. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith.